This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Dive into the mind of Brett Boone as we turn to the baseball legend to find out what's happening in his life and around Major League Baseball. This is Turning 2 with Booney. Here's your host, Rich Herrera. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another edition of Turning 2 with Booney. Here on the Boone Podcast, I'm the executive producer of this podcast, Rich Herrera, along with Brett Boone. Booney, uh, happy almost spring training, but I still got football on my mind type of year. Yeah, it's been a minute since we did a Turning 2, but uh, I don't know. There's a little bit to catch up on. Big Hall of Fame announcement uh, recently, and... Uh, Ready to go. We still got a few more weeks of football. Who's going to win? What's that? My guys are telling me Baltimore is going to win. It's going to be Baltimore and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Baltimore wins. Oh, we'll start with there. I was going to start with the Hall of Fame, but if you want to go there, I can start there right now. Well, I know nothing about football. That's why I was going to go with that for you <laughs> just to begin with. All right. So what is your impression of the rest of the world going football crazy between the Kelsey brothers, Taylor Swift, everybody hating Brock Purdy, and now we're down to the final four? I'll tell you, you know, Brock Purdy, who, who came onto the scene, I remember I was at his first game. Uh, yeah. Where he came in due to an injury. They ended up winning the game. And he's been great. I mean, this is a guy, I don't know how, mu- how many expectations were had in San Francisco before his tenure began. But I think to hate Brock Purdy at this point, I watched the game last week. He wasn't his sharpest. But, but what he's done, his body of work, and it's a small body of work, but still, nevertheless, it's been about a year and a half now. Uh, he's done nothing but win. You know, his, his big MO is he protects the ball. He doesn't give the ball over. Now, this last recent game, I think, and I don't want to call it luck. They came down when they needed to. Right. He, he, the way he was throwing the football for the entire game, and you said, well, they got one more time with the ball, and he's got to run down and score a touchdown. It didn't look like that was going to happen. He did. I mean, those are the little things. That's clutch. That winners do. You know, he didn't have his best stuff that day. You know, I, I liken it to a pitcher. I didn't have my best stuff today, but I found a way to win the game, get the ball into my bullpen's hand. Purdy found a way. So uh, as far as the hate, football is a different animal. The fan base is a different animal. So I understand that. Uh, fans are fans. They're going to go week to week, and one day you're the hero, and the next day you're the you're you're the goat. And I don't mean the goat in a good way. So I'm enjoying watching these playoffs. But it's, but and, it's different, Booney, uh, because I'm different. kind of a Niner fan. I yes, always have I'm, been. Yes, all right. I'm a Niner fan unabashedly. 
I, I start the radio show with that on CBS all the time, just telling everybody I'm a I'm a I'm a Niner fan, so I'm not gonna be uh I'm not gonna be unbiased in any of this. But how do you argue with the kid who's going to two NFC championship games in his first two years? How do you argue me with as, the kid? Me me as is, a rational, fair minded fan, I don't argue. Right. I say it right. doesn't matter what it looked like. The bottom line here, it's not about numbers and it's not about how many yards you throw for, what your pass completion was, what your quarterback rating is. It's who wins the game at this stage. It's wins and losses. And so far, uh, he's still standing. So it's just funny because we know you do this now that you're now that you're doing a podcast and you show up on uh, radio and TV all over the place. We have a pundit class in sports of people that get paid to be experts, former players, former GMs, those that want to elevate themselves to that position. And it's almost like they're all rooting against Purdy because they missed on him. He was Mr. Relevant, last guy taken in the draft. Right. And everybody wants to hate on him. Like, ah, oh, see, you know what? I was right. It's a fluke. He'll come back and be who we think he is. Right. How about, how about, Turn the clock back a few years when Foles came came into the uh, into the forefront for the Eagles. Ends up winning a Super Bowl. Everybody, oh Foles, ah. this Foles guy, he's a backup. He stinks. He's this. He's that. He won him a Super Bowl. He can go back to Philly anytime now, and he's not paying for a meal. So the guys like that, the feel good stories. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and say Purdy is is Dan Marino or or is no. Tom Brady, but I'll no. tell you what, he's doing a hell of a job. But, but uh, you bring up something, and that makes me mad. And I get mad on the radio when people do this. You know, he's no John, Joe Montana. Great. There's only is? one Joe Montana. Who right. is? Right? right? There's only going to be one GOAT. There's only one Jordan. And for us to compare anybody else to Jordan is a fool's errand. There's only one Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. That's it. So right. when people look at Purdy, well, he's not as good as so-and-so. He's not well, as good as Steve Young. Yeah, right. that guy's a Hall of Fame. So why? Right. why are you comparing him? To a to a Hall of Famer, you're not even comparing him to a future Hall of Famer. There was a number one pick for the Packers. There was the last pick of the draft for the Niners, and the Niners advanced. And the guy who had the number one pick is getting a huge new contract. He's sitting home watching Purdy this weekend. Right, and he's one game away from going to the Super Bowl. So we'll. Uh... Okay, so let me ask you this: rooting for underdogs. Uh, I don't know many guys that get that go undrafted to make it to the big leagues much less become a star. Right, very rare. How hard is it for a guy that wasn't drafted, undrafted, last pick in the draft, just to get enough momentum to get an opportunity where somebody looks at him for real and says, I, I think this guy could play? Well, on the baseball side, it's it, there's a lot of politics involved. Um, when an organization drafts you high and they put a lot of – you know, a fine, they have a significant financial interest in resources. You. Obvi They've right. resources. Obviously you're going to get chance after chance, after chance, you're going to have to prove to them. You ain't got it. And, and it's not going to be one time. It's not a one and done. Uh, they're going to give you every chance in the world to succeed because they've got an investment in you. It makes sense. It's no different than in the business world. If you're a late round pick, they've got very few, uh, very little, financial interest if in anything. you or right 
it's kind of going to be like, you're going to have to knock that door down and then you're going to have to knock it down again and then knock it down again, because they've got guys they've got, they've got financial interest in ahead of you that they, they, they need to answer their bosses. Why'd you give this, you know, this draft pick a million dollars. You gave this one 10,000 and, and the 10,000 is knocking on the million. Well, the guy that made that choice, he, he's got he's got to be right in this situation. So he's going to give that million dollar guy every chance in the world. That 10,000 guy, he's got he's on the outskirts. Maybe he's only at the beginning playing three, four days a week. But ball players, great ball players in the end will come through. And and it becomes obvious as your professional life goes on. But definitely, if you're not a high draft pick, um, if you go undrafted, a non a non drafted free agent. Your back's against the wall going into your professional career, right? And you're not you're not going to have to just show them you're a pretty good player. You're going to have to open their eyes. And 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 like I said, I I look at it as, you know, I kind of compare it a little bit to winning awards once you're a major league player. Right. It's like the first Gold Glove I ever won. Man, I should have won one three years before that in my mind. But there was a perennial guy that was winning it at the time, Craig Bijo. And it's like I had to knock him down and then knock him down again. And finally, I knocked him down again to win my first gold glove. That's what you've got to do in the draft in the in when you're a minor league player. It's no different. It's like, all right, prove to me. Here's an opportunity, son. Now go get it done. And uh, it's it's the way sports is, but I think it's the way life is. If anybody hires a CEO for a company is paying millions of dollars a year and that guy low on the totem pole. Well, I've got all my investment in the, in this CEO. You're going to have to prove to me. Why should I take you? And it's not going to just be I see something in that guy. It's no prove it over and over and over again. And I think that's sports. But but that's also life. Um, yeah. OK. And the guy, the, the guys that. <clears throat> aren't the six two run like the wind, have a cannon arm, uh, but are just ball players to see them in the end when they make it. It's pretty cool for me. I always look at those guys and just kind of get a smile on my face. Like that's against all odds. And he did it because he believed he was passionate. The biggest thing is believing in yourself. Here's the other half of this. We've had John Lynch on the program. <clears throat> Great general manager built one, built a, built a heck of a team. John Lynch had to say, Jimmy Garoppolo, my established quarterback, Trey Lance, a guy I spent a bunch of money on, Sam Darnold, a former first-round pick that I brought in, I'm going to push all of you aside and give the job to Brock Purdy. Why is it that everybody thinks John Lynch is a genius on everything in football except for this move, that they look, ugh, why is he there? It's almost like people are going out of their way to do mental gymnastics, to do cognitive dissonance is what you call it when you believe in one thing, the facts don't line up, but you still will stand in your head to make it happen. I'm watching people still standing on their heads to say, I can't have Mr. Irrelevant go to the Super Bowl. Well, I think, yeah, I think you summed it up a little bit in your opening when you talked about he was an against all odds guy. He was the local, he was the local kid, uh, wasn't a high draft pick got an opportunity, made good on his opportunity. And so it was a lot of guys at the very beginning when, when Purdy first stepped into the, to the role as, oh, this isn't our guy. Right. And he did nothing but win and play good and protect the football. And, and I think there is a little bit of a credence, the credibility to what you said is 
all the naysayers that said, no, this isn't our guy. This isn't our guy. He's a backup quarterback. He's this, he's that. And then all the success that followed in this, you know, short term, like I said, short body of work. Now, all of a sudden, it started a few weeks ago when he had that four interception right. game. Oh, I told is, you so. I told right, you so. Which is very unlike Purdy. That's not Purdy-esque. And all of a sudden, it started there. They lost the game. I mean, he was in the MVP race. Right. And all these guys saying, this is a backup quarterback. How can he be our starting quarterback for the, the, the almighty San Francisco 49ers? And now he's, they're talking about him being the MVP. That four interception game kind of squashed his his uh his chance of winning the mvp but but he it, it kind of there was a little bit of a chink in the armor it, as athletes we go through tough he was kind of untouched until then everything was smooth sailing and now all of a sudden his first taste of a little adversity how is he going to react from that well now it gives the naysayers a chance to say see we told you and i think there's a lot of credibility to what you said and now they almost want him to lose so they can say, we told you he stunk. We told you he's a backup quarterback. He should never be there. But in the meantime, what does he do? Good game, bad game. And last game, I thought he, watching the game, he was missing receivers by four feet. Right. But what happened? At the end of the game, he had a W under his belt. So I think Brock Purdy's smiling right now like this is, he's finally for the first time getting a taste of what it's like to be a big time quarterback on a big time team going to the championship game. And I think he's handled it great. There's so many of us that do this for a living that you see on radio, TV, bloggers, all the rest. We think we know everything and we think we're insiders. And I always say this, if I was really that smart, a team would hire me. And the fact that teams have hired me makes me better than all the rest of the talk shows in America. But we, we want to take you inside the game, but Brett, I you will slap me back into reality if I get too far over my skis trying to be an insider because I have i don't know what it's like to stand at home plate at Yankee Stadium. I know what it's like to watch you do it, but I've never done it myself. I can give you everything of what it could be like except for standing at home plate facing Randy Johnson, and we've talked about that before on the podcast. But one of the little things that I want to ask you about is adjustments because I don't think fans understand what adjustments are we know the word we use the word oh you've got to make an adjustment you've got to make an adjustment teams have seen the scouting report on brock purdy the same way they'll see the 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 hitting the the scouting reports on brett boone on how you hit and what you're seeing well and what you're struggling with they will make adjustments to you and for brock purdy if he's had this much success in his career well, the other team's trying to. They're going to put together a scouting report to see what his weakness is and try to expose that and take advantage of it the same way if I'm facing Brett Boone and I see he's struggling on this pitch. I'm going to give you a steady diet of that until you show me that you can hit that pitch. Then I'm going to look for another weakness. If you have a hole in your swing this week, I'm going to try to expose it. Talk to me about what it's like when they make that adjustment and that challenge that we're seeing Purdy with right now because the challenge for per the Purdy's facing is defenses are getting up in his face and he's not able to extend plays out and they're crashing on top of him. He's not the most fleet of foot, so he's not running out into the flat. So they made an adjustment where they think they could cause some damage to him and they've been successful. Now he's got to make that next adjustment. Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month 
like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Well, I, okay. I think it's, I think that's a lot to unpack there, but you can tell I'm pretty passionate. And and I think it's football, major league baseball versus the NFL is apples and oranges because, because baseball from a pitching perspective, from a hitting perspective, it's one-on-one. So it's very individualized. Whereas the, the game of football is about complete defenses changing the way they come at you. So right. you've got to make it. I get that part. you got to make an adjustment about... to 12 guys. Right. But I Okay. Mean, if you no, want to just... take a lay, layman yeah, adjustment. Yeah, layman. Well, I'm a, I'm a layman. <clears> All right. I get to I get to, <clears throat> I get to the big leagues. I scuffle. I can only go with No, my... no. You're successful. You're, you're on fire. No. Hold on. Okay. I can only go with my personal experience. Okay. I get through the minor leagues quick. I get to the big leagues. I'm the heir apparent. Uh, first month and a half in the big leagues, I have a rude awakening. I get some humble pie. I look up at after my first 30 games in the big leagues, I'm hitting 197. I've never hit 197 in my life. In AAA, I just hit 330. Right. Okay. So you go. Big you leagues is different, success. right? Now, now big leagues have, is now, different. Now you have to make that adjustment. I go into the spring training next year. I got a new skipper. He's tough on me, man. I'm on the shuttle. I go up and down. Finally, midseason, I get an opportunity and I'm the guy and I play every day and I have some success. Okay. Finally, for the first time, and it works. Uh, because a, a lot of guys get into this and I talk to young players, you get to the big leagues through AAA, the way you get through. And now all of a sudden you get to the big leagues. And if you don't have any success, you've got coaches and front office people. You need to change this, change this, change this. This is what got you there. You've got to stick with it. I stuck with my style. I went into the 94 season. I hit 321. my first year in the national league doing it my way. What got me to the big leagues? Finally, it took me a while before I stopped listening to that outside noise, trying to fit in so much, improved everybody. I was a big leader, just play baseball. I hit, I, I, I had a big year in 1994 was the strike season. I go to 95. I had a really good follow-up year. I get into 96 and 97. They start making adjustments. They start right, pounding me what, in. They start. Now we know what Brett can do. Right. In my layman mind, I think, no, all my success has been this way. So I got to keep doing it. Well, they're proving that that's not working anymore. It took about a year and a half before <laughs> I hit my head hard enough. and said, I got to make an adjustment. And that off season, I remember after the 97 season, normally I start, you know, I go into to my off season mode. And back then I wasn't a, I wasn't a big gym guy. This is now you're talking the mid mid nineties, right? Where, where, the way we prepare for a season now is a little bit different back then. There were guys starting to get into weight training and stuff like that, but I didn't. And I would start my baseball activity the first of January. Well, all of a sudden now after the 97 season, I've got to make a swing change. You hear it all the time in the PGA, a swing change, a swing change. Well, baseball players have that too. And I needed to go from a completely closed swing to, I was going to open up my swing. That's not something you do on the fly at the major league level. It's something that you need repetition and a lot of it in the off season. So all of a sudden that season ended 97. I took a week off and I started hitting, I hit for four and a half months because I was making a swing change. I took that into spring training, fingers crossed said I've never faced a big league hitter from, from a completely open stance. I've always been completely closed. It's new. Everybody's looking, everybody knew I made a swing change. So I felt the weight of the world 
and it started to work and it started to translate from the cage. All my work in the off season, it was translating on the field and it started with inner squats playing against my Reds teammates, you know, and then all of a sudden I took it in the game and it was starting to work and I started to believe in it. And that's what it is, is results for us as players. When we get results, that means it's working. It started working for me and I was off to the races with a completely new swing. Now, twice more in my career down the line, I made swing changes again. You know, when I went mm -hmm. back to Seattle for the 2001 season, I, I had a similar approach, not as drastic of a change, but nevertheless a change. I went from my elbows in to my elbows more out. Uh, and that made a huge difference, got me to a different level. It's constant, but the, the, the long and the short of it is as a baseball player, we constantly have to make adjustments. And the adjustments as, always as an athlete, you have to make adjustments. <clears throat> right. They're not always major. Sometimes they are. The 97 change for me was a complete overhaul. The 98, the, the 99, the 2001, that was a little mini tweak. So it's like I had a major facelift, and then I had some Botox in 99 and some Botox in 2001, mini. Okay, wait a second. But we always talk about, let's say, Brett Boone, or we talk about Brock Purdy, and it's all on them. I don't know if we ever tip our cap to the other guy like, hey, Brett punched up four times. He didn't want to do that. Do I either say, yeah, Brett Boone's a bum, or do I say, hey, that guy he was facing was really good tonight. No, I, I never see anybody. Me. I never see anybody give any credit to the guys. <laughs> like, you know, Brett's no. out there, and the guy's just throwing batting practice to him. Purdy's out there. The Packers aren't trying to 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 take his head off. Give some credit where credit is due, folks. Yeah, and and the people in the know, the people that watch the game day in and day out. Uh, they appreciate a, a great performance by an opponent. Uh, but right. the typical fan reaction is going to be, Brett Boone, you suck. And I believe <laughs> me, I've heard that plenty in my life. It doesn't mean it's fun, but that's a part. When you play this game at the highest level, and it doesn't matter what sport across the board, you know what you're signing up for. You're going right. you're, you're gonna to have an opportunity to make a lot of money doing something that not too many people get to do. And there's good that comes with this. There's a lot of perks, and there's some negative. And if you're not willing to take the good with the bad, well, then you're in the wrong occupation. Uh, you're going to have to be able to take the sling and arrows when things aren't going good because you're making a lot of money to do a job. And when you're not doing your job, part of the thing is you're going to get critiqued and that's through the, through several different, you're going to have professionals that analyze you on a daily basis, wearing you out on the radio, TV, the newspapers. Uh, but you're also going to have fans that, that pay to watch you play and, and put their butts in the, in the, in the seats at the ballpark. And they have every right to, to criticize whatever they want. That's, and, and that, that's the problem I have when somebody comes out and they're so angry. Oh, how could you do that to him? We know what we're signing up for. I've gotten booed out of the stadium, and I've had a yeah. Wait a away. second. Wait a second, though. <clears throat> there, there's so the kicker in Buffalo missed a missed a game time field goal. Right. There's got to be a line, though, Brett. People are sending him death threats. Well, I never got death threats. I'll, I'll say that, but. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I've never been in that position. I mean, I can I if a, a, if I fans fans if get I saw mad you at, at you at the gas station, right? If I saw you at the gas station and you struck out with the bases loaded, lost the game the night before, can I walk by and go, you suck? 
Is that out of line? Sure. You're with your kids. You're you're with your kids. You're picking up Rich. You're picking up your kids from school. I think it's completely out of line. Okay. But what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Beat his ass? No. I don't think part of that that cost of fame. I don't think that would be wise of me. Yes, it's out of line. And I've had people do that to me uh, in public. Not very often. Not very often. But I've had some some snarky comments during some tough times throughout my career. And it's almost like I can't believe he would say that in, in this setting. I've heard fans right. in the, in the crowd for the most part, it's you suck. And you know, we're going to kick your butt tonight, but I've had fans cross lines. on the opposing team. Yeah. I've had fans cross yeah. lines and I said, wait a minute. Whoa, slow it down. You know, right. it's like, <clears throat> this is what I do for a living. I'm doing the best job I can. You as a fan have the right to critique me, yell at me, but why do you, you know, there'd be a line crossed where they'd say some things about your family or your mom. Or, and it's like, <laughs> And Sue Boone is a nice do, person. Don't be saying right. about Sue Boone. Where, where do you where do you work, sir? Oh, I work at Nordstrom's. Do I come to the counter and yell at you and tell you <laughs> to talk about your mother? You know, no, different. I understand. Different. Nordstrom's right, big league stadium, but I'm just saying it's out there. Yes, people are definitely inappropriate, unprofessional. Uh, but mo- for the most part, being a professional athlete, you hear the it comes booze, to the territory. You hear the cheers, but everybody pretty much doesn't cross that line. You want to hear a quick story? I I don't. Go ahead. I was going to tell you a story about someone who crossed the line. Who you do? want to hear it? Well, so, how much you know, time we got left on this podcast? We got to talk about the Hall long. of Fame. It's not long. So Mike's sitting know, backstage going, come on, Rich. No, this, get is, it a, going. this is a Move good it story. Along. This is a good story. So my dad was a police officer, right? You know that? I think I've told mm-hmm. you to share that with you before. So one day, I got to be about seven, eight years old. We're, we're in the in the station wagon with the wood paneling on the side in the seventies. And there was this kid, this punk kid that lived in our town that my dad was constantly having to get out of trouble, break up fights, arrest them, whatever. He's just a bad kid. And the kid sees us in the station wagon, me, my dad, and my little sister. And he comes roaring by us, cuts us off, flips us the bird. And then now he's playing chicken with our car, trying to knock us off the road. And my dad lost it. <laughs> my dad chases him down. He's got a hot rod. We're in this, we're in this station wagon, this family truckster. He chases him down the road, catches him. The kid pulls out. My dad says, sit down. My dad walks up. My dad was six foot four, grabs the kid through the window, pulls up through the window, doesn't open the door, pulls up through the window. It says, when I'm on duty, you can say anything you want. I'm with my kids. Shut your mouth. And he drug him by the back of the, by the scruff of the neck, stuck his head in the driver's side window of our station wagon and made him apologize to my sister and I before he let him go. I like it. And and that's something probably in that time. Oh, that was you, a lot. You, now you could do that. Oh, nowadays. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can't, you know, you, you got to watch everything you do. Anyway. All right. That was one of my favorite stories. I just thought of that popped in my head uh, real quick. One more thing on Brock Purdy. Brett, how tall are you? 5'10 on a really good day. So your entire life, your entire professional career, people have said, Brett Boone, how tall is he? It's always been somebody trying to knock you down. You play with your hair on fire. I think Purdy's a little bit more calm and um, uh, unemotional. You're you're the opposite personality-wise. Tell me about that chip on your shoulder that you had 
and, and maybe the chip on the shoulder that he has that helps take you to that next level when so many people say you can't. Yeah, it, it is something that that motivates you. You know, it was um, when people tell you you're too small or, you know, and, too and, slow, and, too and, fat. You're, and you're 17 years old. Right. And it's like, I'm not even done growing yet. You know, I'm going to fill out. And the bottom line is what I'm, watch what I'm doing. You know, gauge me against the, the high school talent I'm playing against. Gauge me against these college guys. Now gauge me in the minor league against other players. Doesn't matter how big and and uh, you know how tall I am. It's how about me turning a double play against that guy? Turn it better, you know. Uh, hitting prowess. So yes, I always. You know what I. You know what it got to me. I, once I signed professionally, and it was I was always known as this <clears throat> offensive second baseman. Now he's going to hit, he's going to hit. And they never talked about my defense. And I always took a lot of pride in my defense and and that pissed me off too. So that was another thing that drove me like, no, I'm going to show you how good I am defensively. I'm sick of hearing about my offense, uh, offensive second baseman when I was young in the minor leagues. So I always used that as fuel. I mean, I was young and, and naive and I had no idea what, what being a big league player was about. I grew up in the life, but I, but I never knew what it was like when I was, the player. My dad was always the player. I was always the guy tagging, tagging along. But once <clears throat> I got into that and, and it's like anything else, it's, it's experience, it's repetition, it's trial and error. I, I looked at that guy and I've talked about this a lot. I looked at that young player, you know, when I, when I had a few years in the league and I laughed about my thoughts, what pissed right. me off, what didn't piss me off. I had a lot to learn, a lot to grow up, but I'll tell you, if I didn't have those little chips, maybe I wouldn't have gotten to where I was. If I didn't believe in myself as much as I did to a point of naivety, I believed in myself so much, maybe I wouldn't have been that guy that I was. So I thank, I thank goodness for that, that I actually had that. I was naive. I had no idea what was about to hit me. But I was as I was as sure as anyone's ever been about what I was capable of doing and my ability. And and that drove me because I, I took the naysayers and said, I'm going to show you I'm going to be able hating. to do this. I remember <clears throat> I remember in my my rookie year, I just got called to the big leagues. And I forget who our first base coach was for the Mariners. And Ken Griffey Jr. was a big deal. I mean, he was just coming on the scene. He had a couple years in the big leagues. <clears throat> and I remember at the end of the year, you know, Kenny that year had hit like 30, 35 homers, drove in 120, hit 295. And he was still young. He was still 22 years old. And I remember telling that first base coach, I forget who it is. I said, one day I'm going to put up numbers like that. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, no, you're not. <laughs> he, and he said it serious to me. And I said, right. oh, yeah, well, I'm going to show you. And one day I did. Uh, but but that's how sure I was of everything. I, I told him I told Jay Buner early uh, who we're going to have on the podcast next week. I told him early in my career, what was he doing hitting in front of me? You know, Jay was coming <laughs> off a 40 home run season <clears throat> and I thought I should be hitting fifth, not him. <clears throat> and that's just being young and dumb. Right. And having to learn and take your lumps and, and, and earn your stripes. But that's how I was as a young player, just on fire and, and a bit out of touch with reality. But there's one thing I did. I believed. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, <clears throat> you have to be able to get past the 100 people that want to keep you from reaching your dream. Sure. And whatever, uh, whatever, whatever fires you up and whatever gets you to that point, <clears throat> we're all built differently. Right. We all have a different set of skills. 
Uh, but whatever we use to motivate us to get us to the next level, that's an individual thing, but, but we've got to find what that is and, and utilize it.